so many kids had sat on this worn-out gray couch. We'd watched so many football games, baseball games, hockey games being won or lost here, over so many bags of Doritos and microwave popcorn. My paramedic squad had stood in the kitchen shooting the bull on so many non-busy nights. I had been in training and my squad loved Mom's mint iced tea. Mom's chair. I moved over to it, knew it still smelled like Mom because I'd stuck my nose to it a couple of times and caught my brother Owen doing it too. My mom had drunk enough poisoned water to move beyond stage four. I banged the chair lightly with my fist instead of reaching for one last deep inhale. It's a smell you don't forget. Sorry, I hollered as I raced back to the limo. The driver held the door for me again. His rain poncho didn't cover his extra polite smile, which reminded me of a melting wax face in a horror movie. Rain didn't look so thrilled with me now. She sidled up to Cora, whose mom died the day before mine did. Cora was wearing a sweater with a scarf around her neck, despite that it was seventy degrees outside. The limo was long, with most of the seating in one row from back to front, so Cora and Rain were facing sideways. My brother Owen sat sideways also, but up close to the front with his head on the backrest, and his eyes shut, though I could see him shaking his head slowly back and forth over my actions. The three of them had just been released from St. Anne's ten minutes ago. I'd gotten permission to be released earlier, having had a symptom-free day. I had come home to close up the house get some more pictures of Mom, and pick up whatever I'd missed during our eight weeks in St. Anne's. The three of them were graduating seniors, and even though there was only two years' difference in our ages, I was eons more mature. Mom always said I was born thirty. I'm not sure the nurses would have let them come home by themselves. The driver pulled away as I unfolded the towel, and I made certain not to give my house a last longing look. Instead, I watched Cora while I pulled off the soaked jacket and threw the towel over my neck. She was reading Get Well cards. The four of us had gotten more than 15,000 cards from Americans who watched the news or read Time, Newsweek, or People magazines. We tried to read all the cards and letters, but Cora was way ahead of the rest of us. She'd give us a heads-up sometimes if it was a name we all knew, like John Mayer or former Vice President Al Gore or Brittany Murphy. She'd wave the card, and we'd pass it around. We got telegrams from dignitaries of over a hundred countries. All of that kept us going. But with no remarkable improvements in our conditions yet and being moved to a more permanent locale, our foursome was getting harder to buoy. Right now, Cora was reading tensely, waiting for rain to explode on me so she could pretend not to notice. Hope your little campaign of refusing help from others is worth it, Rain lectured on cue. In other words, Her dad certainly would have noticed the lights being on in our house while on his way home tonight and would have turned them off and locked the door. 
Now you'll wake up with the throat from hell tomorrow. Tomorrow is not important, I stated, wiping off the back of my neck and my hair with a towel. It's always today, and today I'm having a four-star day. Besides, acting like an ass has therapeutic value once in a while. Rain slowly reached out her hand and I gave her skin. That's the good thing about Rain. She can sympathize with just about anyone. Four-star day meant it had been a symptom-free day, at least for me. I glanced at Cora again. She said nothing, but her sweater and scarf were telltale. Four-star wasn't for her. Rain moved to a little refrigerator under the TV, saying, What's your pleasure? Coke? Diet Coke? Sprite?